I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Uncover Your Magic. Today's episode is one of those episodes that I have a feeling you're going to be sharing because I have followed this woman since I heard of her from Dr. Vibe. Stephen Schwartz was on my show a couple months ago and he mentioned her in our episode and I jotted her name down and after we got off, I looked her up and there I went. I had my deep dive of Elizabeth April and she's just something about her, her authenticity. She's real. What she talks about would make you think what is going on in this world. You know, you might be into it. You might not be. It's just one of those things that really made me think. She is a gifted thought leader of many titles from clairvoyant, truth seeker, intuitive psychic, paradigm shifter, UFO expert, is the best-selling author. She is breaking the mold as she opens people's minds to a new way of thinking. Above all, her ongoing mission is to help humanity awaken by expanding their mind to the infinite possibilities the universe has to offer. She actively pursues this mission through private readings ranging from celebrity clientele to those among her 300,000 online community. Most recently, she brought her expertise to the screen as a featured guest on Unidentified with Demi Lovato on on, uh, NBC's Peacock TV. What really fascinates me about her is she just channels the information. She doesn't watch TV. She doesn't read books. Everything is through her. And she has a podcast called Expand. And she wrote this book called You Are Not Dying, You Are Waking Up. And her whole, you're going to love this episode. I, I'm just getting ready to bring her on, but I, I have notes and notes and I don't ever read notes, but she has so much to share. I know this episode could go probably three hours with as much information as I want to ask her. Anyway, I will leave the rest to her to tell you, but before I bring her on, I just want to remind you that you know, my Raising Confidence class and the Magic Path are still, there's a wait list for that going. I also remember to get on my website, ashleygonner.com to check out every month. I have new speakers. We have Zoom calls and they're free. So it's with people and maybe Elizabeth will be one in the next couple of months. I'll get her to come on and we can ask her questions. But those calls have been so fun. We I started that last year and I took a break over the summer. We're starting up again. And I have all the list of the people that are going to be on our Zoom calls and the links 
on my website or in the show notes. So I am excited to bring this beautiful human on and share her magic with you. So please welcome this beautiful soul, Elizabeth April, to the show. Welcome, Elizabeth. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. I am super pumped for our conversation today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. All of my people, my amazing listeners that listen each week, when they listen to you, or if they already haven't already, because I've shared your message, they're just going to be blown away. And there's so much to cover and we have an hour and we will do our best. But my, if people don't know, like I was listening to podcasts because I love getting prepared to and learn all about you before I meet you you get on a podcast for my audience, I feel like I would love for you to, to share your life, like where this all started. It's not like all of a sudden you're almost 30 and (laughs) you're doing this, right? Like it's, there's such a great story. And I love the way, how you were raised Catholic and your mom and dad, the dynamics and that, and all this stuff along the way. So take us down your little yellow brick road. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So in this lifetime, I was born with extrasensory abilities, which is essentially just being able to kind of feel things beyond the five senses. I've always had a really strong clairvoyant sense, which is essentially being able to see a lot of things beyond just kind of what we see with our eyes. So I was able to see chakras and auras and ghosts and spirits at a very young age. I didn't have any real distinction between even like spirits that I saw and like real people. So a lot of the spirits that I saw, I thought were, were real and walking around until I would point them out and, and other people couldn't see them. And I think that this is kind of how I worked with a lot of my abilities. I thought that everyone could see what I could see until I realized, especially getting into school for the first time, that other kids weren't able to see those things, which really made me feel like an outcast. And I think even my parents said that at around the age of two, they noticed that I was, you know, seeing things and babbling or talking to things that uh, just weren't there, which was very different than, say, my brother, who was a year older. So they kind of had that balance. And, you know, like you mentioned, I was I was raised Catholic. So going to church and uh, Sunday school and things like, like that. And that was that really for my right? dad. Did yeah. That feel right. Going to Catholic. Did you resonate with that? Do you remember that feeling? Oh my God. I mean, like I was all in, I was like, that was for me at that age. It was like, yeah, we're really talking about, you know, something that no one else can see. And that made me feel actually really included into, in my world. And um, my mom was so worried because she totally was not Catholic and had no real kind of religious denomination. And uh, she just grinned and bared the Sunday church every week. And um, when I was definitely like less than 10, maybe like eight or nine years old, I told her, I'm like, I'm going to be a nun. Like I feel called into like, you know, sharing this message because once again, that was my only framework. And even at six, I told my dad that I was talking to God once again within my framework. And uh, he's like, Oh really? You know, tell me what, what was God telling you? What was God saying? And, and I said, well, the Bible has it all wrong, right? The the Bible and church say that God is a man, but I've been talking to God and God's actually a woman, right? And I I just love it. I love the audacity that I had at that age to 
to just say the whole religion is wrong based on my experience. But I also really believe that that's how a lot of religions got started. Someone had a vision, someone had a connection to something that no one else had, and they completely misinterpreted it and created, you know, basically a cult around it. Right. So, yeah, so I was definitely, I was all in, you know, at a young age, but then when I was having a really hard time, like fitting in and making friends at around the age of 10, I decided to shut down all of my abilities. And I remember looking at all my classmates at that time and asking, what are the popular kids doing? Like, I need to do whatever they're doing. And they were all involved in sports. So I'm like, cool, I'll just do that. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I got involved in pretty much every sport you could think of. Um, Soccer, rugby, volleyball, basketball, like just everything, kickboxing, karate, all of the things. And I was pretty good at whatever I tried. And I made a lot of friends. So all of a sudden, I went from a very metaphysical reality to an extremely physical reality and dropped all of my metaphysical connections. And that went on until, you know, teenagehood. So I, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. But when I was around 14, 15, I started to really kind of suffer with a lot of depression, a lot of questioning a lot of doubt, a lot of fear. And one of my biggest things, especially getting into high school was what's the meaning of life? What is this? You know, why are we here? What's the purpose? What's the point? And so I went to every authority figure I knew existed and I asked them that question. And so I went to counselors and therapists and You know, I went to school guidance counselors and high school teachers and um, high school friends, parents, just to ask, you know, what's the meaning of life? I even went to a priest to say, all right, you're the you're the guy in charge, right? Like, tell me, like, what are we doing here? Hmm. And no one could give me a straight answer. Like, No one satisfied my curiosity, my, my need for knowledge. And so I just felt really lost. Um, and I th- even thought to myself at 16, you know, if this is it, like if going to school, going to more school, getting into debt, landing a nine to five, having a bunch of babies and, and dying, you know, if that that's really the, the meaning of life and everyone's happy with that, then count me out. Like, that's not what I want. Like, that's not going to serve me. And so it was my dad, surprisingly enough, the Catholic one, who was also an engineer, who said, hey, you know, would you be interested in this past life regression? So as he was going to university for engineering, he ended up studying past life regression on the side, which is really cool. That's crazy to me. When I heard that, I was like, what the heck? What a contrast. Exactly, right? As, you know, engineering, logical, Catholic, religious, and then you just throw in the spiritual. Yeah. He's definitely a really good kind of mix of things. And so, yeah, and he had like, books on UFOs and Doreen Virtue or uh, Dolores Cannon and and Brian Weiss. And, you know, so he was, he was kind of studying all of that. And so at 16 in an hour and a half long regression, we went into about five different lifetimes. And in every single lifetime, I was in a position to essentially receive information and give that information to others. So sometimes I was a healer. In other lifetimes, I was a shaman. In another lifetime, I was a a philosopher. But I also got persecuted a lot for the information that I had. It didn't matter, though. (laughs) I finally knew what my purpose was at 16 years old. Once again, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm here to give information, knowledge and to spread that to the masses. And I didn't know what the information was. 
And I also learned two big things. You know, one, reincarnation is real. And two, time is an illusion, right? Like, how is it even possible that in an hour and a half, I just completely went went through five different lifetimes at 16? So that really kind of, opened. that was a huge, that was basically my first really big reawakening, I would say, at 16 years old. You know, when you did your past life, I'm going to stop just one second, because I did mine. I've done mine a couple of times. And, you know, the first you're like, is this real? Is this really what I, cause I, I, cause I remember going to like five different lives and I was like a teacher and I was always with kids cause I have children and I teach children all the tools, right? These the law of attraction, all the mindset tools that I think are important, but I saw all my lives were like that and why I'm so passionate about it. But then it's like, do you, when you're 16, like if I'm going to tell my daughters, like, you know, let's do a past life regression. Cause I have a 16 year old, would she sit there and believe me, you know, or believe it? Like, that's just amazing that you were just ready. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I was, I did a lot of questioning and navigation before that point. And luckily that was, those were the answers that I was really looking for. And interestingly enough, there's actually a psychic that my dad would visit. So once again, as we're going to church, he's going to, he's going to visit these, you know, world renowned psychics. And so he would visit this psychic village in New York quite often. And when I was just born and my brother was one years old, they went to the psychic and the psychic couldn't pick up on much from my brother. And my mom actually always had a fear that my brother was going to pass away early because she just couldn't really see a big future for him, which is fine. I don't think that's the case. And I've seen him live a very long life and and he's still around, which is great. But what she said about me, which is so cool, she's like, you know, your daughter, she's going to help a lot of people in her life. And she's going to be like the next Mother Teresa for this planet, which I don't actually mention really ever in any interviews or videos, just because it's a big statement. And I think Mother Teresa was kind of corrupt at the end, but... But yeah, so so my parents kind of always knew from the get-go, from like really right when I was born, that I was going to make some sort of impact. And my mom brings that up and, and she's pretty, she's like, wow, I can't believe how right on the mark this, this psychic was about you know, your future and, and the impacts that you're going to make. So I think that was pretty cool too. Oh, that is so cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. So keep going. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I know the story, but I want everyone to hear it. <laughs> so... Then I go off to university at 18 and, you know, I don't really believe in the education system at all, but I'm actually really grateful for the space that university gave me um, to get away from home, but not really to enter into the real world right away. And so the first year of university, it was like, finally, I found my freedom. I started doing a massive amount of art and, and just kind of stepping back into my creativity. And then all of my psychic and spiritual abilities started coming back because I think I was living on my own and I had that kind of freedom to explore. And what I ended up doing was I took my dad's past life regression notes from his notebook and I ended up copying them into my own notebook. And so when I went away to university, I kind of used past life regression as a way to make friends. So I'd be like, hey, you in my poli-sci class, you want to know something cool? Like, do you believe in reincarnation? Have you ever thought you lived before? You know, do you think you're an old soul? And if they were even slightly interested, you know, I'd be all excited. <laughs> yeah. And so that's how I made friends. And, and I started doing regressions myself. And, and that was fantastic because now 
I got to observe people going through different lifetimes and take them on that journey of, of discovery. It didn't really feel like it impacted most of them like it impacted me at the time. I'm not sure why, but at a certain point in time, I realized that I wasn't able to fully regress everyone in that way. They weren't able to fully let go of their attachment to this reality and this identity. So I started to ask myself, is it possible for me to essentially regress myself, put myself into a trance-like state and tap into their lifetimes and their Akashic records and their information? So I started doing this. And yeah, it took me a while. It took me like 30, 45 minutes of just sitting there, meditating, sweating because I had this person in front of me. And then finally just picking up on the tiniest bit of information. And so that's kind of how I started bringing my abilities back. I started doing a lot of lucid dreaming work, astral traveling, remote viewing work, telepathy, even really exploring things like telekinesis. Yeah. And I was interested in things like spirit guides as well. And of course, reviewing as many past lives of my own as possible. And so one of the past lives that I had was I was a, a man, a yogi in Burma and I studied this technique, this meditation technique called Vipassana. So I ended up looking it up and it turns out there was a Vipassana center like two hours away from my university. So I'm like, oh my God, I have to go. So I packed up my things. I took my bag and it's this 10 day silent meditation retreat. And so on the second night of this silent meditation retreat, I ended up getting like full on consciously abducted by interdimensional beings right out of my bed. And it was really scary, you know? And so that was kind of my, I always call it like my second greatest awakening or reawakening to understand that, oh my goodness, aliens are real. They're here. They're interacting with us. So what does that mean? You know, who are we? Why would they even bother with us? And what are they doing when they take us? Like, what is the greater purpose? And then I started asking, you know, myself, well, if aliens are real and we're humans and we've been humans and animals and plants and other things before reincarnated, then have we been them? And can we be them again? And so I started doing off-planet past life regressions and discovering that whole world. Shortly after that abduction, I was contacted by the Galactic Federation, which is something that I'm very known for today. And so I started, you know, communicating telepathically, remote viewing the Galactic Federation mothership, basically receiving as much information as possible from them for humanity. And that was all 2010, 2011. And it took me until 2016 to actually go online and talk about all the things that I was channeling and downloading and receiving from different beings and my higher self and the, the planetary matrix. And so, yeah. And so since then, you know, it's just been a journey of unpacking, unraveling, navigating all of that great stuff to get me to this point now where I feel like I've got a pretty comprehensive view of the bigger picture. Not that I'm ever even going to be close to having it all, but I feel like all of my curiosity for so many years has been quenched a little bit at this time. You're a question asker and you are so like, well, why is this? You know, it's always like you're, I always talk about your questions like that. What you just reminded me, like, you're always like, I'm going to go up to the Galactic Federation and ask, you know, channel there, but it, go to where you, you got abducted. You see the actual being, the alien, the Galactic Federation, what species, <laughs> what do you call them that came to get you, that abducted you? 
Yeah. Explain so that the, because you the, see them. Yeah. The beings who abducted me when I was 18 from the meditation retreat, they were not a part of the Galactic Federation. They okay. were they were some pretty dark beings, actually. They were uh, considered tall whites. And now what I know about the tall whites is they have a lot of contracts with the government. So they basically exchange their technology for government information and for the ability to abduct people. So it's kind of like the government says, yeah, you're allowed to abduct 30,000 people a year in our country or whatever. And in exchange, they'll kind of pass along their their technology. So they essentially just abducted me just to track me, just to observe me, just for curiosity. But I think I was a little bit more aware than most of their abductees. And, you know, I was able to kind of detach from, <laughs> from their watchful eye in a sense. And I also know that I was supposed to have a very fear-based abduction or experience with ETs right off the bat to help me have compassion for other humans who have been abducted, who feel really fearful about aliens and ETs, because most of my experiences with them uh, have been really pleasant, like really, really beautiful. So I know that I had to have that sort of experience in order to understand the full picture of the abduction experience. So when you explain an abduction, like, yeah, it sounds fear-based, right? Like that would be scary. But when you talk about it, it wasn't, you didn't have that fear because you were sharing a room. It was a silent retreat. You couldn't talk about it. You had a sheet between you and your roommate Mm -hmm. and what she's not, she's asleep in these, you, can you explain that? Cause I can't even picture you floating up into the sky. Like, where are you going? Yeah, for sure. So I woke up in the middle of the night and at the silent meditation retreat and uh, there was like this giant head hanging over me. And I thought it was my boyfriend at the time. It was the second night. So I, I honestly just thought I was still at home and I also got woken up. So I was kind of in dreamland. And then the next thing I know, I was being pulled out of my bed. I had one of the beings on my left foot. I had one of the beings on my left arm and one of the beings on my right arm. And they were carrying me. And I remember looking down and seeing my right leg dangling as they took me out of the room and into the hallway. The only part of the abduction that I don't remember is how we got from the hallway up to their ship and then up to their ship back into my bed. I just, I don't know if it was, it must've been a teleportation thing because you always imagine abductions kind of being beamed up. And because I was so aware and I could see everything, you know, you would think that I would see myself floating from the hallway, but I just didn't see that. The next thing I knew, I was sitting in this metal chair in one of their rooms. It was a very small room. And there was about six or seven of these tall, white, kind of gangly type beings in front of me. They were just observing And the fear that I felt was so intense. Now I understand that the tall whites have an ability to release the chemical compound. I think it's like cortisone or something, cortisol or something. Cortisol. Uh, Yeah. And it's like basically like the fear chemical. Right. The stress hormone. Yes. Yeah. And I just, yeah, the anxiety, the fear. I just kept thinking to myself, like, this fear isn't my own. This fear isn't my own. Like, The whole thing was scary, but I knew that that, the feeling that I had was not mine. I knew that they were creating that in me. And so then, you know, that there was this machine off to the right and this machine kind of basically like put something in my right ear. I could only see out of my periphery. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Uh, They definitely, you know, paralyzed me or drugged me. I don't know. And then that's it. The second this thing went into my ear, I was back in my bed. 
I was paralyzed for probably 15, 20 minutes. I couldn't move. And then when I finally was able to get up, I went to my ear and it was bleeding. So that for me anyway, was the physical tangible proof that, oh my God, something did happen, which freaked me out even more because it'd be better if it was just a dream. And that's kind of what happened. So it was, it was really scary. It wasn't pleasant at all. They weren't pleasant beings. And I know I needed to have that experience. Right. So when does the Galactic Federation come in? Like where, where does that part? Because when you, you talk about that a lot, like that's a big part of your your thing. And I, and it's when, when I understand now doing, you know, learning about what, you know, you know, the galactic federation, you channel that. So about three months after the, uh, that abduction, I was hanging out with my friends in my living room at my student house. And I started feeling really dizzy, really out of body. And I knew that that was a sign that I was, I needed some grounding. So I excused myself from my friends and I said, Hey, I'm just going to go lay down for a second. I went into my bedroom and I sat down on the bed and I closed my eyes and I was just doing some grounding techniques. But the second I closed my eyes, there was this like seven foot tall, really good looking male being. And he was just in his astral body, just a pure white light body And he came into the room from the corner of the room. And it was so weird for me. Like at this point, I was very familiar with astral traveling and remote viewing, but I never really interacted with other astral bodies in my astral travels. I just, it just wasn't a thing. So I remember opening my eyes and he was gone. And then I closed my eyes and he was there. Open my eyes, gone. Close my eyes there. So I'm really just blinking at this interdimensional being at this point, right? And uh, I obviously realized that when when my eyes are closed, my third eye is open. So it's able to see things in that way. And I actually created this from a very early age because I would walk around and I would see everything in the astral realms with my physical eyes and it would be way too overwhelming for me. So I kind of made this deal with myself if I'm going to tap back into this realm, I'm doing it on my own terms and I do it when I set the intention and I close my physical eyes and I choose to open that third eye. I'll see whatever whatever's around. So, yes, yeah, so after blinking and realizing, nope, he's there. He's not just a, a, you know, something in my imagination. He said that he was a Pleiadian being. I had no idea what that was. And he said he was from the Galactic Federation, had no idea what that was. Okay. And he said that there was a meeting that I had to attend. And the meeting was taking place in two days time. And it was going to be at 2 a.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time, my time zone. And so he said, make sure that you're awake for this. You have to be awake. And I said, okay. And just like that, he left. And I remember going back into the living room and joking with my friends, hey, I just got greeted by some fucking weird being, you know, that stepped into the room. (laughs) And, And we all laughed about it. And I was pretty serious, but we all laughed about it. Right. And then two days later, which was this, uh, December 21st, 2011. And I remember this clearly because we were all waiting for the end of the world for like 2012. Oh, right. <laughs> At least like the spiritual people, I guess. Yeah. So it was like, I set my alarm for 1 a.m. I had an extra large coffee. I, I was used to this. I was a student, right? So, you know, pulling all-nighters and whatnot. So right. I chugged back a huge coffee 
And I just meditated from 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. And 2 a.m. on the dot, this being comes back into my room and he says, follow me. I didn't know if this was going to be a physical abduction experience, an astral. Obviously, when he came in his astral, I knew that when I was going to follow him, it was going to be in my astral. And we ended up going, crazily enough, to the moon, but we actually went to the center of the moon. (laughs) And I had no (laughs) idea that the moon was hollow or that there was at least a room inside the moon. And this was actually my first time astral traveling off planet, period. So that was all very new to me. And it was this, this large meeting, this galactic federation meeting with, I would say, hundreds of thousands of physical beings and also tens of thousands of um, astral bodies, just like me. And I could tell that the other astral bodies were humans doing what I'm doing, coming from planet Earth, because I could see their grounding cord going back to planet Earth, just like mine was. And yeah, in this meeting, cord. they talked about... Wow. A huge shift in vibration. They talked about, you know, the manipulation that's been happening on planet Earth from a different species altogether. They were talking about how there are volunteers on planet Earth. They talked about something like a pole shift happening, a solar flare, you know, and just to get prepared for these events. And once again, I mean, I thought the world was ending in 2012. So I thought this was all happening right then and there. And it really didn't start happening until 2020. Right. So, yeah, so that was that. And that was my first introduction to the GFL. And um, and ever since then, I've been going up multiple times a month and, uh, you know, going to different councils and asking different questions and mainly just kind of tuning into what does humanity need to know right now? I used to do this at a solo level, and now I do it at a very public level. And I bring thousands of people in from all over the world to also partake in these galactic Federation meetings. How does that work? So it's basically a Zoom room and bring people in and I will sit there and I'll ask a question and I'll remote view or astral travel up to the Galactic Federation mothership that hangs out in our solar system. Based on the vibration of the question, I will just naturally go to the right council and the right being. So sometimes the same beings come through. They have lots of information for us. And sometimes we get introduced to brand new beings, all different species, all different names, all different pieces of information from all different councils, but all really there to help humanity, assist humanity and deliver these messages. And when you talk about volunteers and star seeds, and I'm attracted to the Galactic Federation of Light. I'm interested in... All the information that you talk about, is that because I'm part of the Galactic Federation of Light? Am I, am I a star seed? You talk about how there's usually one star seed in a family, you know, like mm-hmm. that's interesting. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people will kind of just get drawn to my content and they'll ask me, they're like, oh, well, am I a star seed? And I always like to say, and, and I kind of chuckle about this, like if you're here If you can handle (laughs) this kind of information, then absolutely you're a starseed. I would say like a a solid 95, 98% of my community are all all volunteers, all starseeds. And and actually many years ago, um, when I started my YouTube channel, I put the intention out there that I don't want to teach students. I want to teach teachers because that way I can teach one person and they can teach hundreds of thousands of people. 
um, right. which is incredible. And that's really what I find is, is everyone who really gets drawn to the content has their own lessons, has their own mission, has their own teachings, and eventually will kind of make this impact in the new earth. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question. You did. But when you, so let's talk about the new earth. That's where I, I was interviewing this man, Dr. Vibe. He has a, is Dr. Stephen Schwartz a couple of months ago. And he mentioned your name and that's how I learned about you. He said, she was the one that I watched on a YouTube channel uh, talking about the new earth. And I, I wrote your name down. And after that, it was all, <laughs> I was down that hill, but talk about the new earth. Talk about 2020. What happened between tw- 2012 and 2020? What took so long? Where, where were you going? Like, were you going to these meetings where, you know, and then all of a sudden we hit 2020 and I love how you talk about, you know, we're in 2022, August was a, a big month and we're going into 2023 and it's a seven, you know, we, we're leaving a six, two adds up to a six. I'm saying that to everybody. And then two, three adds up to a seven, but talk about the timeline in between then and where we are now and where we're going, the new earth and all that. Yeah, for sure. So what I was told by the Galactic Federation was that, what was it? I'm trying to think of the timeline now. I am pretty sure it was between 2016 and 2019. It was a period, and they told me this probably back in 2014, 2015, was a period of star seeds collapsing everything that they ever knew. So huge, huge, huge shifts in people who are meant to kind of be leaders in the new earth frequency. They had a huge meltdown, huge shift, uh, shifted their identity, shifted their job, shifted their relationship, shifted their location, 2017, 2018, 2019. And now I understand that we had to shift everything in that time period to get prepared for 2020. And then they told me back in 2017, 2018, that the time period of 2020 to 2024 was supposed to be the absolute collapse of the old earth frequency. And then after 2024, specifically 2024 to 2028 is supposed to be the shifting or the beginning of the rebirth of the new earth frequency. And you know, I'll tell you, when, when everything happened in 2020, I was so excited. As a matter of fact, I have an aunt who doesn't really, didn't really believe in what I did. And she was quite religious, actually. And I, at Christmas in 2019, I I made a statement at the Christmas table. I said, you know, something's going to happen in 2020 that's going to change the world forever. Wow. And she told me like a year later, she's like, you know, I, I went to bed and I said, no way. Nope, she's wrong. But how could she make such a brazen statement? Like it really triggered her that I don't even remember making the statement, but it really triggered her. (laughs) And then a year later, she told me, she's like, you know, I never stopped thinking about that. and, And 2020 happened, right? And so we're in it. I mean, we're, we're right here. We're 2022, um, kind of gearing up for 2023. We are in the middle of the collapse of the old earth. I was excited when 2020 happened, not because the agendas are taking place and there's all these conspiracies happening. I was excited because there's one thing that's happening that impacted every single person in, on the planet. And that thing that happened took every single person on the planet out of their matrix reality. It took them out out of their nine to five. It took them out of their expectations of what they were going to do that day. And what I really know that happened in 2020 is by being taken out of 
their reality. A lot of people woke up. A lot of people started questioning and a lot of people woke up. And so now, you know, we're really gearing up for end of 2024, moving into 2025, we're going to start to really see a lot of solutions, solutions for pollution, the environment, the animals, solutions for things like coal or lumber or free energy technology, solutions for finance that serves everyone, solutions for the education system, 5D frequency or the new earth is all about stepping into a, a realm, a place where, you know, it's not one versus 99%. It is equality. It is unity. It is respecting every conscious creature on the planet like we should be respecting ourselves. We're entering into this kind of golden age of high vibrational frequency and taking ultimate responsibility for our own actions and what we create in our reality. I just want to mention to everyone listening to this, if you feel like you're a starseed, if you feel like you literally came to this planet at this time in this lifetime for a reason, you're here for a reason and you're most likely a seed planter for the new earth frequency. And I just want to say that you don't have to wait for the entire planet to shift in order for you to shift into your best possible life first. As a matter of fact, you should be shifting into your best possible life first in order to help the rest of the world. So a lot of the latecomers of the teachers, the New Earth teachers really started to do, you know, go through their awakening 2020 to 2024 because we're I'm just waiting for the rest of the planet to catch up and have a giant ego death so that we can really enter into that that golden age of unity. Will that so, happen? Uh, it's I mean, okay you think everyone will up. have an ego death? It mm-hmm. will be that? Well, everyone will. Those people that still live in 3D? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to say like You know, one of the things that I talk to the Galactic Federation a lot about is what are the agendas happening right now? Like what are the the shadow governments planning? That's part of it. But also what are the highest contracts for planet Earth? And one of the things that they've told me since 2011, since the get-go, is that there's got to be huge shifts that take place on planet Earth that affect every citizen of the world. And obviously, everything that happened in 2020 did that, but not everyone woke up. A lot of people did, but it wasn't enough people. So one of the things, two of the biggest things right now that are major possibilities for the next two years is either a major financial collapse. We see it. I mean, it's happening. I've I've, I've said that it's happening for a while. It's finally here. And then the other thing that could potentially happen is a solar flare, which basically would potentially wipe out the whole electrical grid system of the planet. And it wouldn't be permanent, but it would be it would be a time where we would be pushed into going within and raising our consciousness rather than being on our phone and being stuck in distraction. So solar flare, meaning no electricity, that kind of thing. What does that mean? Yeah, it would basically shock the whole like um what is it called like it's like electrical feedback like it's like uh it's like it would short circuit pretty much everything so yeah we just we wouldn't have electricity for a while 
And it's, it's a real threat. I mean, even scientists say it's a real threat. And we see the Schumann resonance spiking. We see the electromagnetic frequency increasing. We see solar flares, solar storms happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that does is it increases the electromagnetic frequency on the planet. We are electromagnetic beings. Therefore, our vibration increases as the vibration of the planet increases. Therefore, we're forced into a higher state of being. And hopefully, if that does end up happening, we start to really look at free energy technology, which is what Tesla had many, many years ago. And that doesn't require wires or circuits or breakers or any of that. It's just utilizing the electromagnetic field in the air, you know, so we have to kind of have it's got to get worse before it gets better. You know, you talk about Tesla, but Elon Musk, you mentioned like he's in some kind of a high, like a hybrid of he because Evalda he knows the technology that he brought from what a different planet you know and then you talk about other celebrities that like Kanye West Justin Bieber Angelina Jolie how you see them do you are you just see them and you could tell they're like a part of a what tell me that Yeah, so there are definitely a lot of celebrities, politicians, influential figures, not all of them for sure, but there's a select few who are part of, you know, reptilian hybrids uh, who are here to lower the vibration and create distraction and create manipulation and those kind of things. So that's where like Justin Bieber or Beyonce or, you know, these other people that other people idolize, right, are kind of skewing the masses or distracting and that's like a whole conversation. Um, but <laughs> Elon Musk, I've, I haven't been able to really kind of pin down as far as what his vibration is like. And I can't I'm not able to even like look at his vibration because he's so protected. A lot of the other celebrities, I'm able to see this like giant reptilian entity basically that's attached to them. But Elon, part of me is like, wow, like he is here to change things like he is absolutely pushing us into the next level of what humanity is capable of. And then part of me is like, that's a lot of power for one man to yield. And is that power being manipulated or does he have a chance to be manipulated? So I don't have the the down low on Elon yet, but for right now, my interpretation is I'm really, really grateful for him in a lot of ways. So when you talk about the reptilian brain and that that's fight or flight, like we're moving on, we're, we're moving away from that. And I also want to talk about hybrids. Like we're all hybrids. We're all part of something. Like when you see me, do you say, oh, she's a Palladian or she's a whatever, an Arcturian? Do you, do you see that when you look at people? Um, no, I don't. And the reason is because I, I don't look at anything or anyone without their permission. You know, I don't, I don't channel information without like it's a respect thing, basically. Right. And it's also like an overwhelm thing. If I was open all the time, just doing things like walking around or interviews, it would be exhausting. It would be a lot to process all the time because I'm still just processing my human life. But yeah, we, we definitely are all hybrids. I believe that that missing link within our evolution was interdimensional beings coming to this planet and essentially messing with our DNA, probably for their own reasons, but it, it kind of equated to us being a part of, I believe, 20 plus different interdimensional species. And I believe that with the right vibration, we can unlock those different DNA aspects within us. So, you know, I always have the message 
message that it doesn't matter if you're like a 10th generational psychic or you've never even experienced your own abilities. You have them within you and you are just as powerful, if not more powerful than maybe the people that you look up to. So it's about going within and understanding that you already have all of the knowledge and information that you need. Right. Well, you talk a lot about you know, the vibration and how start now, don't wait for the new earth. And what would you tell people? How did they do that? There's a lot of things. What I would say is the first thing is to let go of any and all limiting beliefs. So I'm like, I can't do that, or I'm not good at manifesting or, you know, really just pay attention to your own thoughts. Because I would say, you know, the the most powerful thing is anything that we focus on is what we create in our reality. And quantum physics will also prove that fact as well as that, you know, our consciousness creates this material world. So when we think about things, when we worry about things, when we have anxieties around things, it will create those anxieties and worries into existence. So the first thing is take full responsibility over your life over what's working, over what's not working, and then choose to change it. And the way that you change it is just focusing on what you do want rather than focusing on what you don't want. And that's a really, really great place to start because you can't step into your, you know, hybrid DNA. You can't step into your psychic abilities if you're in that fight or flight, if you're utilizing that survival mindset. You got to get to a place where your bills are paid, where you're manifesting your dream life, where you're moving to, you know, a place that feels more comfortable and all of those things. And then at that point where life is good, you can then say, okay, well, what's next from here? But you shouldn't be tapping into abilities to escape this reality. And that's why you want to make sure that you're aligned before you start on that path. Like neutrality, you call it like being neutral. Exactly. You know, because I feel like that now because I've worked. So I've done a lot of work, work on limiting beliefs and, and I feel neutral. I'm like super right here. And I teach that. I mean, that's, and I'm a teacher, but not till 2020 <laughs> in that, you know, I didn't start the podcast till 2020. And when you're starting to talk about that, these people are coming in and it's just this natural thing for me. And I just, I see it in these kids where I want these children, but you even talk about the gen, like your age, because you're, you're 30 and I'm 53. So my children are 16 and 13. Are they the crystalline children? Like what children are coming in now and what will you create? What children are coming? What are the future? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, the millennials, there's definitely a lot of star seeds within my generation, the millennials, but Gen Z and then alpha generation, like it's insane. Like, I just feel like more and more are being born into every generation. Like maybe it was 5% of your generation. Maybe it was 25% of my generation, but like, as we get into the younger generations, Gen Z alpha, you know, it's 50%. Like we've got a massive amount of star seeds being born who are here to really shake things up, really change the system. And they're, they're really tuned in. Like I, I always like saying to parents, especially parents of young kids, listen to your kids. Like they've got so much to teach you. And, you know, what's really sad is I'll see parents with young kids and the young kids are wearing masks and they've been watching the news with their parents and they're in so much fear. And it's just so sad to see that these younger generations are still being raised by parents who are not taking responsibility, who are not raising their vibration, who are not ending ancestral trauma and the issues continue. So I just have faith that, you know, based on 
my upbringing and where I came from and having parents who weren't that aware, you know, to get to a place now, like a lot of parents are like, I'm not going to vaccinate my kids. Yeah. As far as like not COVID vaccines, but other vaccines. I'm like, I was all vaccinated and and that didn't stop my abilities. I drank milk and ate meat and did all the things and that didn't stop me. That didn't hold me back. So we have to kind of go from this almost overly politically correct and like anxiety around what's right and what's wrong to understand that listen to your children and they will tell you what's right and what's wrong for them. Right. You know, you talk about eating and, you know, you used to be a vegan and, you know, labels and identities and how I'm a mother, I'm a wife, you know, all these different labels that we have within ourselves or the, you make a joke about the LGBTQ, you know, like, let's keep, I do too. It's like, geez, <laughs> come on people, <laughs> you know, just be, that's your message. Like just get yeah. to that place where your vibration is here. You're neutral. Nothing mm-hmm. can, you know, there's no labels. There's, there's no wrong or right. It's all perfect. I mean, I always talk about everything's perfect, right? What, tell me your take on that. Yeah, like, really I find that good... every label we have is an extra obligation on your reality. So if I wake up every morning and I'm like, I'm a coffee drinker, therefore this morning I'm drinking coffee because that's what I do because I'm a coffee drinker and everyone knows that I'm a coffee drinker. Every morning you're now obligated to the same routine, drinking the same thing, even if your your body's like, whoa, 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 I don't want coffee this morning. What are my other options? Is it orange juice? Is it water? Is it tea? Is it turmeric? Is it what, what is it? You know, there's so many other options we have. So we have to get away from the labels. And ultimately what we need as old souls is freedom. And what labels do is restrict us. And that's kind of why I've had a really tough time navigating, you know, things like interviews or television appearances because they're like, okay, so who are you? Tell us who you are. What's your label? (laughs) And that's like, that's how the 3D world interprets me. And I'm like, but I'm not a psychic. I'm not a medium. I'm not an alien expert. I'm none of those things. Like, I don't want to be any of those things. I'm just me. And I'm not even Elizabeth April. You know what I mean? So it's been really, really, really difficult to navigate this world that it, that perpetuates labels in order to feel inclusive. When as a matter of fact, I find that labels are the last thing that make us feel inclusive. It makes us feel separated, you know? And so it's so important that I really think I have so much faith in the Z generations and the alpha generations to take us away from the labels. I mean, they're just being born. They're like, I'm showing up. Look, I'm being whoever I want to be, you know, and I love that. And I totally respect that. So I know that, yeah, I might be in a generation that's leading a charge in in a very old earth sort of setting, but that's not going to last forever. We've got tons of these kids who are just showing up and refuse to be labeled. And that's important. Right. What's your, like, and once we get past 2025, I mean, my girls will be done with high school. Presley will be done in like 2027, I think. Mm-hmm. So where are we going and what, what do you see life to be like? Just love and like the, the hippies, like the, going back to like the, like the sixties, you know, like going back to where life is just all love. There's no fear. There's, is there still going to be contrast or are we moving away from that? Because polarity is all why we chose to be human. and why we came into this body, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. So it's going to be quite a few years of, it's not like we wake up one day and like life is just beautiful and there's butterflies roaming around. And uh, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think 
individually, we can choose a life like that. I've got this beautiful property and I wake up and there are butterflies everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in it. I'm in New Earth. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I'm not affected by that reality. So we can choose to enter into that individually. We don't have to wait collectively. I think we're going to have a lot of years of shifting into the solutions of purging out the darkness. And one of my questions to the Galactic Federation many years ago was, so we're in a binary universe. We're in a polarized universe. We're in a universe where light and dark does exist. So I said, if we're eradicating the darkness on the planet, then like, what, what does that mean? Like that kind of worries me. Like, you know, if we live in a polarity universe, like how can we just be all light? And they said, no, 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 you're, you're misinterpreting it. Cause I'm like, where does the darkness go? And right. what they said is, and, and hopefully I'll relay this appropriately, but they said that, you know, right now on the planet, we have a huge uh, difference between the darkest of the dark, you know, people, okay, lowest vibration individuals on the planet. And then we have some of the highest individuals on the planet, highest vibrational individuals on the planet. It's very extreme. And they said, what's happening with the new earth frequency is we all individually understand that we have both the highest vibrational light and the lowest vibrational darkness within ourselves. So we're actually eradicating the extremes of the light and the dark, and we're bringing balance and unity to ourselves by accepting both the light and the dark within ourselves. And therefore, we balance the entire planet with unity within ourselves and therefore unity within the global consciousness and the global collective. That, for me, really answered that question of, yeah, what's going to happen? And with the light and the dark, we all have to experience and understand the darkness in order to fully experience and understand the light and therefore have the discernment of navigating the both. And I always find when I'm in fear or I'm getting challenged, I'm really able to observe that challenge, observe that emotion, observe that reaction objectively, and then bring love to it. Like, wow, this is really shitty. Like, this is kind of awesome. You know, like, this is what yes. a challenge this is, you know, and, and by bringing love to the fear, I'm really able to appreciate it, be present with it, and then move on from it when it's appropriate to move on from it. The emotions that humans have isn't the problem. The hanging on to the emotions that humans have is the problem. Let's okay. feel things in the appropriate amount of time and space to feel them. And then let's move on, learn from them and move on. And, and that's, right. I think, where we're going to get to in the new earth. And I get that because I've, I'm at that place where I thought sometimes it's fun to have fear because you're like, oh, good. They're still there. <laughs> like, I, you know, but then it is like loving it and then knowing that it's for your highest good and looking at it from that perspective versus going down that hole, like the fear, bringing your vibration down, keeping that vibration up and living in that love, unconditional love of everything in your life is all love. It's all, that's really all it is, is love. Yeah. I mean, that's how I see my life now. And you're right. You can choose to live, you know, you don't have to wait till 2030 to say, oh, the world's like love butterflies. It is mine to you. Every time I look outside, oh, the hummingbirds and it is all beautiful. It is amazing, you know, and I just, it's like, that's a part I want the world to get like, even like my children, like just start your life off when you leave me in the awe and wonder of love and light mm -hmm. and the fear and embrace it because you're going to want that fear because that's when you grow like love that expansion yeah. okay elizabeth april we're at the end but mm -hmm. so you wrote a book 
talk about where people can find you. And I just think your book, the name of the book's amazing and <laughs> people are going to go get it and your podcast and all that. What's, what are you doing right now to, for your growth and expansion? Yeah. So many things, always so many things. So the book is called, you're not dying. You're just waking up. And it is like your awakening guidebook. Like it is awakening 101. It's all my knowledge of the, those 10 years of, of just transforming and expanding and questioning and shifting and my own growth and development. It's in that book. And it's going to be so validating for so many people who are also in their own awakening. So check that out. You can get that on Amazon all over the world. I also have an audio book too, and I narrated it. So <laughs> that's out that. there. If you don't want to read, I totally get that. And I do have a podcast called Expand Podcast with Elizabeth April or Expand with Elizabeth April. And that's really great. Just kind of clips of information. I've got my YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, all of that just under Elizabeth April. And then, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this membership platform that we've spent quite a while building. And we're just about to kind of unleash a, a brand new website. And it's really intuitive, super mobile friendly. And what I find is people need community at this time. We've been so divided and separated. So if you're looking for your community, if you're looking for your team, then just come on over to elizabethapril.com. You can sign up for free, check it out. And I've got almost a thousand, you know, membership only videos at this time. So if you're looking to binge watch uh, some of my videos, check that out. And uh, if not, go onto YouTube and there's tons of videos there. I also do lots of workshops, astral traveling workshops, spirit guide workshops, quantum physics workshops every other month too. So always something going on. Oh yeah. And then the, the Galactic Federation meetings every month and tickets for that are just $11. So you can't go wrong. And it, they really are activating. Like I learn something new every time and I feel so aligned and so activated afterwards. And that happens on the 11th of every month, or you could just get the recording as well afterwards. Oh, I love it. I love everything about you. <laughs> I'm like your newest, biggest fan. <laughs> Thank you for get coming on the show and sharing your magic with everybody. And I know that I can just see so many, you're opening so many doors for people in their lives and their hearts. And you're definitely doing what you were, what you chose to do on this earth at this time in this body. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on and, and for everyone for listening. It, it was such a pleasure. Yeah, it was so fun. Go so fast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.